wake up in the morning, I step outside, I take a deep breath, and I get real high, and I scream at the top of my voice, Welcome to Crudely Drawn Swords, an actual play podcast in which we ask the question, What's going on? (laughs) (laughs) With me are four elite players of the noble sport of Dungeon World. Many call it the sport of kings. So who are you and who do you play? Ali. Uh, I don't think I need an introduction because after my victorious Edinburgh show... (laughs) Everyone knows who I am. I'm Ali. Maybe 60 people came to me at Edinburgh show. That's pretty good. Nice. It's not bad. Was that by accident or did they... Some of them came on purpose. They said stuff like, hey, is this where the time travel comedy's happening? And I'm like, yeah. What? Yeah. No, that was yesterday. <laughs> pretty much everyone I handed a flyer to was like, oh, I saw that yesterday. And I'm like, you probably could have done. We did seven <laughs> fucking <laughs> versions of this. Anyway, it was a warm up for the Swansea Fringe. Because that's the big one. Uh, and I play Enigma. I have less fringe because I got my hair cut last week in the hope someone will give me a mortgage. They didn't. I think you can probably hear it on the podcast. What, the fringe? They can probably hear you've got less hair. Yeah, yeah. Like, when I have more hair, I was like... Gwyn, who are you and who do you play? I'm Gwyn, I play Percival Cleft. Mag, who are you and who do you play? I'm why Ali, who you picked first, didn't take offence to it being the game of kings when clearly it's the game of queens. I was going to point out it's the game of royalty. <laughs> there we go. I'm Magnus and I play Banbury Luke. The true royalty of this show. And finally, Stuart, who are you and who do you play? I am obviously Stuart and I play Tristan T. Wilde. And today the T stands for tired. <laughs> <laughs> what if that's what it always stands for? Ooh. Just so tired. I'm your host and GM, Ben Moxon. You can find me on Twitter as at Glenatron, and you can follow the show as at Crudest Swords. Sponsored by Squarespace. We're not. Uh, <laughs> Ali! <laughs> Helping! Ben, edit out the we're not bitten hashtag Squarespace into every release now. <laughs> They'll be like, guys, did one of us sponsor this? <laughs> what is this bullshit? We're not giving money to those guys. <laughs> So, where did we last see our friends the Hawks? On a map. Um, I think we were progressing towards some people that we could see just off in the distance, um, and we'd established that they were a rolling caravan of some sort, but hadn't actually made contact yet. This is a very accurate assertion. After a happy day of barbecues, sing-alongs, and swimming in the oasis... The Hawks had made their way south from the valley, following some tracks in the sand. And as they came to a hilltop, they looked out across the wide expanse of the steppe. And in the distance, they saw a couple of shapes high in the air. And then below them, they saw the sail wagons of the rolling people. So you're at the top of a hill and... It sweeps down quite gently onto this rolling, open... It's a grassland, but it's very dry and quite gritty. It's not It's not like fields as we might think about them. It's fairly sparse. For those of you who've spent a lot of time in Kazakhstan or yep. nope. Uzbekistan, somewhere like that, nope. it'd be quite familiar to you. Oh, yeah. Picture it clearly now. I haven't been there often. Yeah, very much that arid steppe terrain. And in the distance, you can see this caravan. 
nearby there is what appears to be a dead tree, which is the first tree you've seen since leaving the oasis. There were palm trees there, but then you've been crossing this very arid terrain again. And this appears to be a tree trunk branching out as though it were a deciduous tree. And although the wood is smooth, there doesn't seem to be any bark on it. But strangely, there are horns, pairs of horns on leather straps hung on the tree. Uh, they're clearly for catching the attention of the caravan. So in order to do that, I will set them on fire to send a pillar of smoke up, <laughs> thus attracting the attention of the caravan. Careful, they might be the like equivalent of poo bags. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like people hang poo bags in trees with dogs yep. who are bastards. Do the horns have poo in them? <laughs> not obviously. Well, they're probably not poo horns. Don't set a light to them till we know there isn't poo in them because it'll smell really bad. We will first use the horns Benjamin as nature intended <laughs> as a horn as a, a vessel for our feces <laughs> for stabbing our enemies oh, oh no I was gonna okay. and rivals um, in love <laughs> yes I'm gonna put them on my head and pretend I'm like a cow or something <laughs> so Tristan's seizing a pair of horns off a low hung branch seizing the horns from a low hung branch Tristan T. Wild. <laughs> that's his personal brand right there that's just the enigma quote on my new album I've I've like fresh off the press the royal princess says Tristan is often grabbing royal princess he's often grabbing horns from low hanging branches (laughs) yeah and these these hang over like there's a leather strap between them Um, so it's a little like someone's thrown uh, trainers over a telegraph wire excellent Uh, Slipper horns. And they're like curled like ram's horns. Did you say there's more than one? There's several pairs of them hanging on different branches, yeah. I'm assuming they are for blowing rather than... (laughs) They don't appear to be musical instrument horns. I mean, it could be a territorial thing, couldn't it? Do the ends of them look like belts or what? Do they look like they're meant to be worn? No, not specifically. They just seem to be hung on these branches. Hmm. Do they smell... Good question. They don't, no. And the leather they're hung on seems well cured. So we don't think we're going to blow on them to get the attention, so we might just set them on fire then. <laughs> but we, we, we don't have to destroy them or use them in swim, but they might be a marker of some sort. Well, I was just trying to get the attention of those dudes that are quite far away. Or you, your first guess could have been right, and it might just be a fancy dress tree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For weary travellers to dress up as rams or cows or whatever horned beast they want to pretend to be. And why is it a naked tree? Yeah. Its bark is terrible. It's way worse than its bite. (laughs) You really shoehorned that one in. Damn right! I should have turned that into some kind of pun, but I couldn't think of one. That was. You said shoehorn if you just kind of go, afterwards, people think you did a pun. Works. (laughs) And you've already got a horn. If she somehow attached it to a shoe... (laughs) Okay, Benjamin, I'm going to inspect one using my musical know-how and think how I can use it to create sound. Okay, well, do you want to use your bardic law to examine it? Yeah. Because I believe your specialised subject is actually the peoples of the eastern uh, plains. Really? Been keeping that one quiet? I mean, it is now, for sure. That would have been useful information earlier on. (laughs) 
Yeah, I hope you're directing that at Ben. I don't know these things. I'm pretty sure that it was literally one of the things we agreed on a long time ago. Yeah, it does sound like something. There's your problem. A long time ago. Yeah. Okay, so I'll bardic law this mother bitch. So, when you encounter an important creature locational item covered by your bardic law, you can ask the GM any one question about it. The GM will answer truthfully. The GM may then ask you what tale, song or legend you heard that information in. Do I have to roll then? What is it, charisma? No, there's no roll. This is just the knowledge you've accrued because at some point in your history you learnt a lot about these regions for some reason. Okay. Really good book. Probably Michael Palin went there. My my question is, what's up with these horns? (laughs) (laughs) What's the deal with hanging horns? Have you guys noticed there's a lot of hanging horns lately? (laughs) What's the deal with that? Across the plains, there are places where the running people leave boundary markers, and those markers tend to be trees or sometimes man-made frames from which they hang the horns of their great heroes. And these are considered sacred location by those people. Okay. Best not shit in them, then. Don't burn them or shit in them, guys. (laughs) Or set a light to them. And who are the running men? Uh, Isn't that a dance? Good question. The running people are the... This is what Tristan's telling you. Are the orc hordes. Are they? They're the orc hordes of the plains. Orc hordes, that's awkward. (laughs) (laughs) That's the direction they're going. Yeah. Do you remember when we thought that the orcs were going to be shoulder to shoulder and squashed in? (laughs) Uh, There's like... No, they're not. There's quite a few gaps. So, okay, as we said, this isn't a shitting tree or a... Or, or a dressing up tree. We, we should probably shamefully put the horns back. Mm. <laughs> As you're, uh, you're remembering this slightly shamefacedly putting them back, out of the long grass, a very small figure appears. It's a one. And they sort of pop out of the grass and they're humanoid. They have scaly skin, but it's mostly covered by bandages and robes that appear to be made of deep red silk but they have clawed hands a wide very wide mouth you can make out and pointed ears this is a goblin you don't see many of them around on the surface and they have a fairly bad reputation for being savage beasts but this one is approaching you and looks unarmed Hello there. Goblin says, A stranger's approach. It is as we had hoped. You must help us. Must we? What do you need help with? Please, look after this. Keep it safe. Uh, hang on, I, I wasn't born yesterday, little goblin. <laughs> <laughs> We've fallen for that before. But what is it exactly? The goblin says, It is a precious item over which there is much contest. The people who wish to have it should not have it. Is that because it's theirs and you want to keep it? Is this the product of some sort of theft, or is it genuinely contested in some way? He says, yes. Oh, right. (laughs) And he rolls along the ground towards you a ruby. I'll look after that. I'm going to snap it up. Oh, Oh, damn it. (laughs) Oh, wait, I said it first. I'm a rogue. Shotgun. (laughs) He's standing about ten feet away. The ruby is a little bigger than a golf ball. We've ended up in a big golf pitch. And it's carved into a very round shape, so it rolls really easily along the ground. Like a golf ball. Like a golf ball would, but not actually shaped like a golf ball, more shaped like one of the crystals out of the crystal maze. The goblin says, 
As was foretold, you are the only people that this is safe with. Oi, you, sod off. We've got enough prophecies. We've got like eight prophecies going at this stage. You adding another one to our book is too much. Seriously. And by sod off, he means, uh, can you take us to your leader? <laughs> and we're not going to the Aztec zone. The goblin says, you are going to meet the caravan, yes? Yes. Yes. I suppose. Are you not with the caravan? Have been. Maybe again. Caravan will come this way. Okay. Fine. If you make towards them, you will meet soon enough. Okay. And he kind of scampers away, leaving this ruby. Did one of you snap it up? I think we two fought over it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so he kind of surprisingly quickly seems to disappear into the grass. Yeah, I'll let Enigma keep it because that is a bit of suspicious behaviour. I'll be like, oh no, I, oh, you beat me, Enigma, as I step back carefully and cautiously. I'm going to like palm it so no one can even tell that I've got it. It just like disappeared like magic. Whoa. I mean, we all know you've got it. There's literally no way we wouldn't know you've got it. Yeah. Uh, guys, it just vanished. No. Where did it go? Enigma will have it or you'll have it in your pocket. Look, whichever one of you put that in your pocket, throw it away now. We've got enough shit going on. <laughs> Do I look like I've got pockets? <laughs> Yes. Things are better in this world. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to sneak it into Banbury's back pocket, the ultimate hiding place. <laughs> <laughs> We've got way too much happening to us, weighed down by prophecy and family ties and all this balls. We don't need another thing. I mean, just throw that into the desert and be done with it. What if this solves everything? What if it solves nothing in Enigma? We're out of food, we're out of resources. And these people are about to come along with a caravan and be like, oh, have you seen a goblin with a ruby? Hmm. We should just... Yeah, but... Then all we'll have is leverage. And, you know, what use is that? Yeah, exactly. <gasps> yeah, we can swap it for something and it'll turn out the thing they've got can destroy the big old monster. Yeah. And there'll be a teleporter to Bagrathea. No, that's my rabbit. <laughs> just hang on to it. If we need to lose it somewhere, then Tristan can keister to it for a while or something. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> Enigma, yep. bear in mind, when you look through your uh, moves, remember wealth and taste. Oh, I do have that. <laughs> I would like to have a look at it. That doesn't tell you anything about it, but it's a move you should maybe be aware of if you're carrying something like that. I can't remember what it does. Um... Exactly. That's why I'm saying you should be aware of it. Because I was like, I bet Ali's forgotten that exists. Oh, yes. And it might come in useful at some point. In which case, I'm going to uh, put it in my dreads. In a way that makes it look like I've got, uh, like, almost a third eye and it sparkles in the light. <laughs> wow, that's very ostentatious. Very ostentatious. And I suspect Tristan's the one who wants it. What? <laughs> you are okay with it for now, Enigma. Yeah, yeah. You've probably got better hiding skills than me, so... I'm, I'm not hiding it. <laughs> look how beautiful it is. Yeah, okay. This desert sunshine twinkles beautifully. Wait, what? Are you, like, going to try and run this move against Tristan straight away? Not necessarily. What does it do? <laughs> well, I suppose I'll find out when it happens. Yep. I'm just, you know, being ostentatious. Yes. Austin Allegro tentatious. This is a very interesting decision. All right, so you make your way down the hill, and as the wagons get closer, you see that they are travelling under square-rigged sails, and the wind is carrying them in your general direction. A little ahead of them are several people hanging from kites. And as you get closer, one of them comes gliding down to the ground and then lands really deftly just ahead of you. Now, they are a halfling. They have a silk shirt on under 
a kind of woven grass overlayer and they have sturdy boots and trousers, fairly dark skin, kind of red-brown skin, and they land in front of you. Now, Percy, tell me about how your voice that transcends language operates. You know, like, when you're on holiday in a sort of British tourist resort and they don't really speak the language, so Brits like to just shout English, just louder. (laughs) That's basically how it works, only somehow they understand. Egg and chips! Do you understand them as well? Absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I suppose... I get the gist. This is interesting. So I think because this is a power that comes from your goddess, perhaps your interpretation comes through the language of the high church. Okay. So it's a little bit like you're getting it in scholarly Latin. Okay. And so this person starts speaking. Three of you have no idea what they say. That includes you, Percy. I'm one of the ones that can understand him. (laughs) And Percy hears... Verily art thou welcome, sirs, upon this land of hundred grasses. Whither from thou comest thou? Hail and well met, friend. We come from shores afar to the west. Stupid Google Translate. (laughs) (laughs) The halfling is about to say something else when their kite comes straight down over them and completely covers them in silk. Uh, For a moment, they're a little silk silhouette and then they kind of climb out from under it and they say... Westerners, how long did you sleep on the ground? Oh, not long. We've got a sledge. We take it in turns. (laughs) He says, blessed be all of you then, and fortunate that you stayest not in one place. Thine friends do not speak the tongue of these people? I am afraid not, no. They are ignorant Westerners. <laughs> We're going to nod. Huh? Huh? We don't know what he's saying. We can understand him. He's just shouting about us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Wait, no, he must be talking in. Yeah, the weird thing is that Percy is speaking in the same language as this person. When he speaks, you hear that language. Whoa. So, obviously, he's, uh, he's much more dexterous with his speech than you ever realised. The halfling says, very sorry, I didn't realise I needed to use the trader tongue. And now he says it in the common, so you can all follow. All right. I don't understand you. (laughs) Do you have some egg and chips? We have schmeckles. (laughs) He says, we don't use schmeckles this far east of the mountains. Oh, fuck. God's sake. They were only really used right on the mountains, just down the east side. That's a shame. We require a passage to the southeast. Is there any way that you can assist with that? He says, we are travelling east. You could travel with Hemu Honghei for a time, if if you so wish. I could speak to Auntie Chi, and she would probably allow you to join the wagon village for a time. Yes, very well. Cool. He says, good, good. And then he says, could you help me? Could you fold this up? And he kind of passes you a bundle of his silk parachute. Not it. And he says, I will be back in a moment. And he runs off towards the wagons. So you've got a huge amount of silk. Ben, how big are these wagons, by the way? How much does silk cost? 
Silk is quite valuable. Mm. Why are you so obsessed with currency when we're stuck in the middle of the desert? Like, the most valuable thing we've got is, like, some lemons. <laughs> yeah. I think we're out of lemons. <laughs> I think you used all your lemons by now. <laughs> we've used the lemons. Yeah. <laughs> Which is why Silk and a ruby, we're, we're on it. We're going to be... If we keep we going, we're going to be well-dressed for the ball that's going to be on at, at uh, Malahim when we get there. <laughs> I remember the name of Malahim. <laughs> I'm assuming it's going to be a ball. Man, Lambda balls. I, I hadn't realised that when you finally arrive, it's going to be the prom episode. <laughs> yes! <laughs> We're late for the prom! But, and we just kind of wander in, out, but... just as it's like time to announce the, I don't know, king and queen of the prom. And somebody's oh, just poured blood on us all. Oh, no! So And we kill every single one of them. Yeah. <laughs> the red prom. Yeah. Um, um, so, are they you big, asked a minute ago yeah, about the wagons. Um, the wagons themselves are fairly large, and they're often... Not as big as they used to be. They're, <laughs> they're structured with long... The side of the chassis seems to be made from what looks like long bones... And then the wagons themselves are made from a mixture of bone and you see wood and maybe paper. A lot of them have plants on the roof, like boxes of flowers or herbs and things growing on the roof. And you can see people, mostly it seems like a mixture of humans and halflings working the sails and manoeuvring the wagons as they travel. And some are sat on the decks. It's more like rafts. If you imagine a fleet of rafts or something like that, one of the things you notice is that some of the wagons are also clipped together in some way. So it seems as though multiple wagons are creating one structure that's rolling along. Cool. Um, so it's that sort of place I'd have gone on my gap year. Yeah. Yeah. Is yeah, it insanely just... windy here? It is windy. It's not ridiculously windy but there is a steady breeze which is mostly blowing from the west so do we think they're just using wind power or is there a bit of magic going on you would guess that they're probably using wind power but around the wagon wheels there are lots of arcane runes and marks along the outside of the wheel do I recognise any of them? You do, Banbury. But the weird thing is, they don't seem to make sense. The magical symbol for off-road suspension. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a little like if someone was just picking a selection of random arcane symbols, like they wanted to do a tarot stroke astrology stroke oh. Buddhism inspired t-shirt design. Like people's tattoos. Yeah, it's that kind of thing. They've kind of picked and chosen from a wide selection of weird arcane marks and symbols. Totally gap year students. As these wagons roll a little closer, you see the halfling who was talking to you run alongside one and then hop onto a kind of running board and quickly climb up and vanish inside and then a minute or so later you see him reappear on the same one and waves and beckons you over come on over let's go is this thing still going full pace or is it slowed down for us as you approach it slows down a little it's not like stopping but it kind of slows to a brisk walking pace so 
it's a little like jumping onto a moving escalator rather than jumping onto a moving car. Okay. Let's get on. This looks cool. This is going to be a cultural adventure. Yeah. I'm going to hang <laughs> off the side. Look how authentic it is. This is very authentic, Enigma. This is probably pretty exciting for you. I mean, I'm going to start sketching in my little book so I've got pictures of it all. <laughs> oh, oh, look at the scrolls. I can send them back some of my little sketches of it. <laughs> you need to get Banbury to make a scroll that you can propagate to everyone you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's like they've all got receiving scrolls and you've got a sending <laughs> scroll. Yeah. We'll do a bunch so, of different sketches, but we're going to actually pick out the one where you look the best and you don't have, like, your hair just dangling yeah, yeah, yeah. in front of your face, not choking yeah, on some yeah, of the dust on the desert. How tall are these wagons and how wide? The wagons vary between seven or eight feet wide and maybe ten feet long. The one you've been beckoned onto appears to be about 20 feet wide, and... The wheels themselves are almost six feet high, so the axle height is about three feet off the ground. And there's a running board and a little ladder up the side, so you can hop on fairly easily. And when you get up to the top, then it has a level deck, which appears to be made of thin wood layered over bone. Again, there's quite a lot of these huge bones Uh in this construction. And then on top of it is a very square building, like a square structure with walls that appear to be paper. And on top of that, you can see a wooden frame, but the cells between the frame look as though they're filled with paper. And on top of that, the roof has uh, what look like flower boxes or herb boxes growing on it. Who were we beckoned on by? You're beckoned on by the halfling who uh, in, who met you to start. Okay, so we can go and talk to him again? Yes. Okay. So remind me of... Um, and little halfling guy. Remind me of the name of the person that was... Uh, you said we could ride with? Ho-mo... <laughs> Ro-something? He says, I will, I will introduce you to Auntie Chi. She is the third spoke of this hammer. Oh, you nearly got she it, will- Percy. <laughs> Yeah, it's close, you know. Homo flow. Right, right. Homo flow. Homo flow. The hub uh, of this wheel. Yes. Auntie uh, Chi will do just fine. I'm a grandson, Chi Ling. So she was obviously, when I told her that we had guests, she was excited to see you. Hmm. I'm going to pass him back his silk. We didn't fold it up. Sorry. <laughs> just like we got distracted. <laughs> We've just been chatting. If we had tried to fold it, that would have been the whole goddamn episode. <laughs> like, it's the folding <laughs> silk episode, you guys. Back. Roll wisdom. Folding <laughs> silk. So he kind of takes this bundle of silk and then kind of shrugs, puts it down on one side. Nice. And says, of course, it. if you had folded it, I'd probably have to redo it anyway. Yeah, why did you ask us then? Because... Oh. We really wanted a folding silk episode. Out here, everyone folds silk. Ugh. I just assume people know how to do it, but of course, you you may know very little of this land. Oh, just play my guitar quickly. I'm going to pass in my guitar. Oh, you can't <laughs> play it. I just assumed everyone could play it around here, just like all four of us can play musical. <laughs> hey, hey, Tristan. Oh, it's been Tristan. a long day, Banbury. What? what? We're going to die in the desert. Let's I know. and be friends with these people. I know, but it's so hot, Banbury, and I'm tired, and... 
I just want to stop being in a desert and I appreciate this is counterintuitive to that. Okay, you're right. I'm, I'm calm. Sorry, little goblin guy. Oh, is he a goblin it, or This is a half It's not a goblin. Oh, oh. I've just made a massive cultural faux pas right there. <laughs> You've made a meat pie of it. <laughs> yes. A goblin meat he looks, pie of it. He looks horrified when you mention goblins. Oh, what? Do you not like goblins, little Man, guy? Man, that's such a bad hobbit. <laughs> he says, no, they are most honoured here. Oh, why did you act so scared? No, we, we may not look upon them. They are most high and most sacred to us. That's why they travel in the dark wagons. And he indicates behind, and there are a couple of wagons that are just solid boxes travelling okay. under sail. Wait, what? They're important to you, so you've got them trapped in a dark box at the back of... What? Not trapped. It is how they are most comfortable. Did you say it says for sale on the box? Under full sale. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> I was like, I'm pretty sure these, he's putting a fast one. Right, under full sale. So right. why can't you look upon them? It is not done. It's not right. Why not? Why would we look upon them, the, the weavers? It is, we have no place for it. What Weavers of what? The silk. They are the silk makers. And they loom over them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's pretty warped that <laughs> thank you <laughs> do they have any special idols or anything they really like or are famed for carrying with them or anything out of interest perhaps their carriage is the uh, shuttle bus he says no no wait we are not we know little of them we get their requests and their messages and we provide what they require but we do not speak to them. Oh. Who set this whole operation up? Someone must speak to them. Someone must look upon them. Only the high ones of the silk houses. I love how we start questioning, like, nobody's about the intricate <laughs> politics of across the mountains. <laughs> no, no, you're right here. Look, we're guests here. You're going to take us to the east. Have you got a map of this land, uh, good halfling sir? He says, oh, you honour me too much, sir. But... I appreciate your kindness. Uh, I I am no sir yet, but I will be a sir one day. Fear not. And uh, he gives you a little smile, a little car bobbing half bow. Oh. He says, "That makes I it a quarter bow." This question. <laughs> Sorry. He says, "I think this question would be better answered by my aunt. Uh, she is uh, well, my grandmother, but everyone calls her auntie. I uh, probably probably you call her uh, Madame Chi. That's probably the best name because she is she is." Honoured in this hemel. Let's go and see Madame Chi then. Yeah. And so he leads you up and he kind of slides open the door. The door slides sideways into the wall. And when it slides right open, it kind of taps on the side. You hear a buzzing sound from the wall. He gestures in and says, uh, Oh, hold on. Uh, who are you, sorry? Uh, we're the Hawks. We're the Hawks. He says, Ah, the Hawks. Yes, like... Like noble eagles. Yes, like. Yeah. I know of these birds. But, uh, like noble uh, eagles. Yeah. A bit yeah, like kites, given that you have kites. I like to think of it as a more aggressive pigeon. Yeah. <laughs> oh, guys, we should have gone under the sausages. Wait, scratch <laughs> that with the sausages. That's our secret code team name, remember? Is it? <laughs> Since when? I like to think of it as a more tasty pigeon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I Man. am red sausage. I think <laughs> he looks at all of you and, and you might have just slightly hit the limit of his <laughs> understanding. He leans in, he says something to someone inside the wagon. Percy, you can understand it. You hear him say, 
Verily, these people are something to do with pigeons, I believe. They will need you to speak the trader's tongue. And then he says, very well, I introduce Madame Chi. Thank you very much. We will try to enrapture. <laughs> that was very clever. He gestures you in and sat on a cushion on the other side of this wagon in this room. The room is roughly square and it's about eight feet on each side. So it's not it's not tiny. It seems quite it's very spacious for the elderly looking grey haired halfling woman who is sat on a cushion beside a little brazier at one side of it. As you come in, she stands up a little slowly and then bows in a very stately way to you and says, Welcome, guests. Welcome to... Clean drawn swords. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Hemelhom. Hemelhom, hey, that's what I was going for. Hemelhempstead, right. Thank you. Thank you for your warm welcome. Um, we have some questions. Maybe you could assist in answering them, if that's not too much of an imposition. Of course, of course. Sit all of you down. And there, there are cushions around. She says, pull, pull out some cushions and sit down. I was not expecting guests, but I shall bring you some tea. Oh, yeah. She claps her hand and a door behind her opens and another halfling pops their head in. And she says, tea for our guests, please. <laughs> and they've vanish off and appear a moment later with a kettle which she places on the brazier. Civilization. It is very civilised. She has a very kind of wrink, wrinkled face. She's wearing quite a, a lot of silk in her clothing and she exudes a certain seniority. She's sitting very straight-backed and she regards you all with very dark, very intense eyes. She says, how am I help you? Perhaps if we can start by inquiring where this caravan is going. We know it's east, but for how long will you be travelling east? How? What, what sort of distance does this thing cover? We travel by the wind's will, so we do not know exactly how far we will go, but it is our intention to travel as far as Lan, the Blue City. And Lan, the Blue City, can you tell us more of, of that. Is that also... Malahim. Um, <laughs> is it also Malahim? Is that also halflings, humans? She says, yes, it, it is the city of our people. Like our Hemu, but far more vast. Endless wagons and drawn slow across the plain, but always travelling. As you know, we do not... No one rests on the plain. Yes, why is that? Because of the curse. The cursed ground. Oh, the cur yes, of course. Just remind me what that curse was. Uh, I mean, we all know the curse, yeah, right? That's right, guys? Sake. No, just for I don't, oh, I don't get it. What? There we go. Once there were great cities, still cities that didn't move. I, you come from the west. Yes. Perhaps you still have these places there. We have cities, yes. You will find none here because if you sleep more than a turning of the small moon, you will change and you will slowly become a creature of destruction and ruin. Ooh. Oh, maybe that's... I think that's what happened Enigma to us. Enigma was kind of, yeah. Us or <laughs> you, Enigma. Nothing. <laughs> so you, you mentioned that you're aware that cities once stood here. Um, would there be anything in the... Um, is it the Blue City, or wherever it was we're heading, that might have recorded their locations? 
Do you keep anything as formal as records? We keep detailed records of the silk lineages, but of places where disaster befell the world long ago, that has little relevance to our lives. That information may exist in the Blue City, though. Okay, that's interesting. If there is a place where it exists, then it is probably there. Uh, We saw some horns attached to a a tree on the way in. We thought it was something to do with the... uh, What was it, Tristan? The running peoples? It's to do with the running people. It's just kind of like a... Well, I don't know why we're asking her. It's a tree that kind of honours their ancestors. Oh, yes. So you know of the Emberek? I do. That is one of their marker trees. One of our wind seeds will be passing to hang a banner upon that tree so they know we have passed. Hmm. So, and are they people that you trade with? Yes, sometimes. they. <laughs> we have less that they desire and they have less that we desire, but things are cordial between us. Okay. Can I ask a uh, maybe pertinent question? What do you wish, young man? I mean, you, you, you seem incredibly friendly. We're complete strangers. You've just found us and your nephew uh, allowed us on this, uh, on this uh, caravan. But of course... You, you all seem to be able to speak our tongue. Oh, many of our people do not. Oh, okay, but just you, you're educated, but like no, no one seems to know anything about your people on our side of the Great Mountains, and it seems weird, given that you seem so friendly and nice and welcoming, that there isn't trade or or communication or understanding of your people. There are people that trade but there is little they have to sell that we wish to buy our needs are mostly self-sufficient so we have relatively slender dealings with them and this is a hard land for those who do not wish to live on the move or by the wind if you can't if you're constantly on the move how how do you grow crops how do you sustain yourselves how do you get food we grow the crops we can within the wagons we trade for some things with the herdsmen of the riding people there are things that we gather as we travel It is a difficult life, but we have spent centuries learning to master this land in a way that supports us. If there were twice as many of us, it would be too many. We would not be able to live. Can I ask another question about this curse? What do you wish to know? So obviously you live in these caravans and there's people, horse people, that move their tents or whatever around. How long can you stay in an area before it corrupts you? Is it instantaneous corruption if you... It, like that, that specific night? We we know it as a change of the moon. So the small moon, as it passes over from its minimum to its zenith, if you are stay in one place for longer than that, the danger becomes. So a few weeks. But but how does that work? How like surely like how far do you have to move for it not to affect you? As you might imagine, we are raised on stories of this. We live by these rules, and we have had to learn it deep in our bones. So everyone on the plains knows this as law, but traveling for any distance at all is enough to change it. You can be moving slowly as long as you're moving. It's only if you set yourself in one place. If you went a mile, it would probably be sufficient, but no one here may live in a house such as we've heard tell of in the West. Can I ask the nature of the... Like, you, you say it's a kind of uh, oral tradition amongst your people and uh, everyone knows about it. Every single generation there, there is uh, one kid in that class or, or or the one brave soul that decides to test all the kind of theories that have been passed down. 
Have you had within your own family or within this caravan examples of people that have wanted to test this and, and seen the actual ramifications of what happens? We know better than to test. We see the results from time to time. Perhaps someone has fallen from a wagon and been lost, or a wagon has broken down for too long. Perhaps one of the riding people has fallen and been injured, been unable to move for too long, and they are changed. We see the changed ones from time to time. That is why all of us are armed, as we need to be. How are they changed exactly? Mentally? Physically? Yes, both. Oh. Both. Often they become larger. Sometimes they are they are often stronger. And they always have a desire to to break and to destroy, to bring disorder to the world. Do they kill people as well? I'm assuming so. They will. They don't just like screw up like bits of silk or something. They, they properly break things. Yeah. Do you have a name for these people? The Malahimians. We refer to them simply <laughs> as ogres, but they take many forms. Have you ever heard of a place called Malahim? So, no, that name means nothing to me. Brilliant. Oh, I'm just going to yeah. kick her over the board. Kick her over the side. <laughs> <laughs> it was part of the old Stone Empire. Have you ever heard of that? These names do not mean anything to me. These are... Your tongue is not my first language, and some of these names perhaps mean would be different in our tongue. I do not know. Hmm. No, look, we we appreciate the answers and we appreciate you saving our lives. We <laughs> definitely would have died out there, so if we can help. She passes you round small cups of tea that she pours out from the brazier hmm. and passes one to each of you and she has one herself. Can I have a little honey in it, please? And sips from it. I'm going to wait to see what the other hawks do. I'm, not gonna, I'm going to drink it last. Yeah, not whilst I'm on duty, ma'am. <laughs> she takes your cup back, Enigma, and then from a small container in a little cupboard beside her, she takes a little pot and spoons some Aww. honey into it. And you see, that's the authentic way to drink it. So, you know, not like these <laughs> tourists. <laughs> do you keep bees on the caravan? Of course. They live in our walls. How do they get flowers to pollinate? That's how they get paper. Oh, wait, that's wasp. <laughs> she says, we pass flowers as we travel. The bees that we breed are able to find their way back to the wagon they came from. They have always done this. Perhaps there is an old magic in them. Perhaps they are just the type of bee that's good at finding wagons. We do not know. The creatures that are travelling with you in the um, in the, the blackened carriages at the back, how does how does that all sort of fit together with yourselves? Is there a, a strict caste system or something like that? They are the silk weavers. You must understand that among our people, they are greatly revered. We do not... We have few dealings with them. We are almost servants to them. But in return, they provide us with the silk we require. Do you just use the silk for sales? For sales, for our clothing, for trade. And of course, it is our tithe to the silk houses that... You might say that they are the government among our people, among the Lunzi Deren. The silk houses, in the end, control most of the order among the different Hema. Why, why can't your people make silk? Why is it those guys? It has always been their role. I'm sure you're aware of the process where it is carefully... No! Nope. It is carefully created from the giant spiders that once lived beneath the earth. Have you had giant spiders on this caravan? How else would we have silk? Worms? Uh. Uh. <laughs> Man, it's all been a web of lies. 
They live in the darkened wagons with the revered ones, and they are in their own way revered. Are these giant spiders sentient uh, in the way in which they're kind of... Can they speak? Are they cognitive? Or are we just talking animalistic spiders here? They do not speak, I do not believe, but we have little communion with the, uh, with the weaver. I mean, I can chat to spiders. I could go back and check it out. No, no, that is expressly forbidden and also implicitly forbidden. The levels on which it is forbidden are beyond counting. They're numberless. Including implicitly. So non-speak a la spider a and ray. Right, got it. Within the, within the West, then, um, an awful lot of trade and business happens via our currency. We have certain uh, valuable things, be they coins, gemstones, rubies, such things. Um, it, it do, do similar uh, currencies or items of value exist within uh, the cultures on this side of the mountain? Of course. I, here, among the smaller villages, much of our trade is just barter. I will exchange goods with my neighbours and so on. We exchange silk between the Hemel and perhaps between us and others who uh, trade for food. But if we get to the city or to one of the larger Hemel, there will be people use uh, just gold coin. I mean, yeah. As the standard currency. You know, no offence, but we no. understand bartering. You don't need to explain it, thanks. You are salty. I mean, that but seems offensive. It seems like your phrasing there is really offensive. <laughs> I mean, it's just, you know, it's been Barry's a Barry's going to get up and just walk over to the cushion where Justin is, just slap him. No. <laughs> oh. Be respectful. <laughs> I'm going to judge the woman's reaction and see if she expects me to admonish... Admonish? The youngster or... She actually gives Bambri a slow nod. Yeah. <laughs> okay, in which case I'll get up and slap Tristan. <laughs> so I understand um, how it might come about that you would be trading commodities with other caravans and um, and other such things, but for for currency or something like that to exist, then that is presumably being uh, mined or minted and given an associated value by the silk houses or something, is it? It is used across the plains. They are standard gold coin, I believe, much like the ones used in the West. Mm. Once you get... If you get close to the mountains, they try to trade in schmeckles. Avoid those. Those are worthless. Mm. What you need is the good gold coin. Much of the gold is mined by the digging people, of course. Well, regardless, it is more widely used where there are greater populations. And the currency itself is mostly controlled through the silk houses, yeah. If you're the head of this caravan, which your nephew led us to believe you were... Every Hemel has three representatives from different generations who make leadership decisions, but as the oldest, I am the one give granted the greatest. Who, who? So you are in charge of speaking to the silk weavers or goblins or whatever you called them? Sometimes that will come to me. There are others who convey their messages and who deal more directly with providing for them. So there are some people that are allowed to talk to them? Because your nephew said no one was allowed to talk it to them. It is all done through the passing of messengers. Oh, OK. So it's like if they, they just hand someone a note saying that they fancy someone. Yes. Right. Yes, that is correct. OK. We, we do not see them. We do not know them beyond the instructions they give us. And... The goods they provide, but we believe that 
to be among them is a very highly regarded and comfortable life. We do everything we can to provide well for them. And if there was any trouble with them, the silk houses would absolutely punish us. Okay. Well, uh, thank you very much for your answers and sorry for taking up so much of your time. You're welcome. I was not engaged with any significant tasks, so having guests from far off places, how how are things in the Western Kingdoms? Great. Uh... They've been better, yeah, they've been worse. <laughs> same old, same old. Ice warriors. I mean, actually, it's not same old, same old. It's going death. really, really badly over there. There's a massive war going on between some insane uh, goddess and her followers who are trying to fight and take over and kill everyone. Yeah. So we're actually on the run. You are very wise to have joined us here in this Hamu to travel for a while. It will be much more comfortable than your time there. She's not wrong. And, and our yeah, and our time of dying in the desert, which was uh, yeah, that sucked. Not you came through the desert. Yeah, we went for a jolly on the sea, but the sea's a bit uh, problematic. Rough. Yeah, you can trust the wind. You cannot trust the water and the wind. It's a terrible combination. A disaster. Bambridge is going to point at her and nod, give a slow nod to all of the rest of the horse. Yeah, I don't want to get <laughs> another boat. Yeah, two yeah. for two. Awful. <laughs> yeah. Just awful. Valid point. I think, I think we found we found our new guru. She is very wise. We should take a lot of advice from her. <laughs> I, I feel enlightened. This is this is where we belong, guys. This is a refreshment of our spirits. <laughs> I feel that having a lady, no offence, uh, elderly lady as the 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 leader and the information giver it gives me a certain level of homeliness and satisfaction that I haven't felt in a while. I'm feeling very comfortable right now, and it's not just this cushion. And the tea. <laughs> and the tea. Authentic tea. It is also good tea. It's some kind of herbal concoction. You probably wouldn't... It's more like a green tea than a black tea. But it's... Authentic. Tasty and well-made. Very profoundly authentic. I, I could tell. I could tell. Bambi's going <laughs> to slurp down the last bit of his. Does the tea leaves at the bottom do anything? Do they say anything to him and his witchy powers? You tell me what you see. I think Bambi looks down and sees tea leaves. But then Magnus yeah. is a sceptic. Yes, yeah, so... Banbury is a witch. So Banbury looks down and he sees tea leaves and he has a moment of understanding that if the hawks travel with this emu, with this village on wheels for any length of time, he is almost certainly going to drink tea in his future. Mm. Mm. Wise. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that, that, that's what the tea leaves tell you. And that may be no bad thing. She says, you seek this place called Malahim? Yes, ultimately. That, uh, that's where we're I mean, we can heading, go but, roundabout so... if you want. <laughs> we're not, we don't have to go straight there. We could have a little tour. Spend a bit of time, you know, replenishing our... I was going to say chi, but she's called G. <laughs> well, to be honest, I mean, this is the best offer we've had since we made landfall, so I... Uh, we would be more than happy to travel with you to the Blue City. She says, well, this is very good. You are, of course, welcome guests. Percy, are we going in the right direction? Well, we needed to go southeast. We um, cut south to try to get to that oasis and pick up some water, and now we're heading east again. Yeah. So, yeah, I reckon. Go into the Blue City. Our plan is just cobbled together. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Ben, why do we have to have more yeah. blue? Oh no, it's season one all over again. 
It's just the way the silk houses fell out. I do apologise. Um, Aunt Chi, are there any areas of dispute amongst the silk houses or, or any such things? Oh, the silk. Let me tell you about the oh, silk. Settle houses. in for some gossip, the lads. Silk. Oh, oh, do. <laughs> the silk houses are always vying. If you look at them, you're like, that is a bunch of vyers. They're vying for one. There's always this network of politics, intrigue, backstabbing, sometimes literal backstabbing, sometimes metaphorical backstabbing. Ah. Oh. I like the real stuff. One of the houses had a terrible incident. They lost a lot of face when their actual faces <laughs> were cut clean off. It was terrible, but... Enigma chuckling away in the corner there. <laughs> Enigma was like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I've never Skin cut a face em. off. I'm going to have to start cutting more faces off. I've got a life plan now. You don't need to do that. The thing you must understand is that every hammer belongs to a silk house. The larger ones may okay. owe fealty to several. Hmm. And the silk houses represent colours that they have the right to die. And not <laughs> <Okay>. as in <laughs> they can take their own lives. They have the right to produce those colours. There are many dyes in this world, as I'm sure you're aware. Yes. However, the true dyes, the colours that never fade, that grow only stronger... <gasps> I've got a book on that. <laughs> I'm looking for some buns. I'll be using your <laughs> wisdom and input on this then, I guess. I, I'll be all over this. But she says, the true dyes that never fade, whose colours can be combined in ways that would be impossible with any mundane material. Those are what the silk houses control. Ah, mordants, you say. Mordants. That is not a word I knew, but I think that this sounds like you're describing it. We belong to Hemu Honghei, which is the red over black village, and we owe fealty to the red silk house. <laughs> Those guys are madder. Okay. And is there anything that is being contested that relates to your house or at the moment? I have no doubt that either the black house, perhaps even blue, would desire to gain some kind of power over the red house. They, they would greatly enjoy that. Crimson, orange, these houses, they are weaker. Sorry, crimson is obviously red. I just read a different word. Oh no, crimson is different. I'm incorrect. So they're actually done in shades? Some of them are done in shades. Some are true colours. Man, and they keep throwing shade. <laughs> All of these are the true dyes, though. They are based on powerful magic rather than a purely physical process, which is how they maintain their power. Magic being a, a process that they'd used rather than a particular item that is held by a house. She says, oh no, they are... Oh, they may have an item which is the cornerstone of the process. So many times there is an element of... Well, I cannot speak too much of it, but there are definitely yes, yes. items which are required for the colours to be created. Oh, don't worry. I mm. think we understand Better than you think. I'm going to give her a little wink. Yeah. <laughs> what, what Tristan means is, before we got on here, a goblin gave us whoa, this whoa, red gel and told us not to... Sing it over, Banbury. I'm going to start strumming my guitar really loudly. Look, we bring eagle. the music from the West and I'm going to start... I can outpower whatever Banbury has to say while Percy <laughs> and Enigma shut him up. She immediately looks pretty serious about this. 
What? And she's like, my song? Oh, good. She's enjoying it. <laughs> she like holds up a finger and says, quiet, please. <laughs> Do you stop? Of course. Good. Only to cut her finger off. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> you all have to die another day. <laughs> what were you describing, young man? Look, you've been nothing but nice to us. You've definitely saved our lives. And I have no reason why we should be loyal to some random goblin. So as soon as we turned up, a goblin poked his head up and said, Hello, you're in a prophecy. And I told him a sod off. And uh, he gave us some gem, which one of these two idiots has got. And that's it. So just want to be honest with you right from the start. You've been very nice to us. I think we should be honest with you. Man, I hope this bites you in the ass. One of the high ones gave you a gem. May I May I see it? I'm going to look pointedly at Enigma, even though I think actually Tristan's got it. <sighs> she looks at Enigma. It's going to take it out of my dreads. I was actually in your dreads this whole time. Actually in my dreads. Man. But you can really pile up dreads. There's a lot of space in them. She sort of half closes her eyes and her shoulders sag a little. And she says, this is... Very, very bad. You should, you should not have this. Gonna palm it back into my dreads. No, no. You, you should very not have this. This, we should not have this. This should not be anywhere here. This, it's gone. This, it's gone. This Look, is the, you can't see it. This is the cornerstone of the Red House die process. Ah, what? We didn't think that. I'd have gone with dead beetles. Having seen it is, in its own right, a capital offence. Among the silk houses. Well, it would be very wise of us all never to have seen this object. Oh, oh. what a surprise! <laughs> what a pre- amazing surprise that we shouldn't have just thrown this in the desert, like I said. Or that we shouldn't <laughs> have told the first person we met that we had the first this person, suspicious. The first thing. person who saved our lives from starving and <laughs> dying in the desert. If we take this to the Blue City, people will get violent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> friends a quick request if you enjoyed this podcast tell a friend write a review we'll be very grateful to you if you think this rhyme was poor tell people about us or we'll write more they looked out across the wide expense they looked out god come on ben english is <laughs> your first language and indeed only language you can do this and I get real high and I scream at the top of my voice, welcome to crudely drawn swords. <laughs> Your neighbours must think you're really weird. The thing about this caravan on the step, I think it might be the Venger bus, you guys. Well, legend, you heard that information. Oh, uh, can you eat it? Oh, good question. Should I eat it? <laughs> can you put coffee in it? Do I have to roll there? Now, they are a halfling. They're wearing a... Sandwich. No, they're not wearing a sandwich. Why would halflings wear a sandwich? They like sandwiches. It sounded awful here. That's how I like it.